I had a certain internal experience that led me to believe I was a certain type of athlete. <laughs> and why are you laughing? <laughs> because I can relate. <laughs> it's funny because it's true, Kevin. <laughs> Welcome to Shankcast episode number five. Ooh, podcast voice is solid today. Feel good about it. Today we're going to be talking about why does tennis drive you crazy? So myself, Kevin, Megan, we're going to be drawing from our own experiences as players, as coaches today, and we'll be answering three primary questions for our ourselves personally. Why does tennis drive you crazy? Question number two, what has worked best to take the craziness away? So basically our, our own personal perspective and take on hopefully how we've improved over the years. Well, I guess we can be our own judge of whether or not we've traveled further down the path towards tennis enlightenment. Or the, the other side. way. Yeah, or, the, or the other way. And question number three, what do you say to your crazy students? And of course, you know, tongue in cheek here a little bit. I'm putting crazy in air, quote, air quotes. And yet, everybody listening to this, I think just innately knows what I'm talking about. You can't play tennis at, at any level of competition. I, I don't care how long you've been playing or what level you are. If you've been playing for more than a small, like a couple of months and pursuing it, Something has happened to you on the court that you walked off the court afterwards that you were ashamed of. <laughs> oh, wow. That's a whole other level. Mm-hmm. Agree or disagree? I mean, tennis just has a way of bringing stuff out of people. I think I it I brings say- out your personality for sure. Like, there's those underlying, whether you have actually let it come out of the mouth or you're <laughs> verbalized Do you have it? some personal experience you want to share with us, Megan? hundred of personal experience, but um, that's a whole different... Some people are really good at keeping it, keeping it all in. Now, I'm not saying that they haven't done something that's shameful, but two months is pretty... You might still like be not as crazy as... The rest After of just a couple months, yeah, uh, yeah. There's no question. The longer period of time in the sport, I think, I think there's a kind of a bell curve, <laughs> and it's like you start off nice and low. Mm-hmm. And, oh, this is fun. This is great, and you're getting like twice as good like every other week, and then all of a sudden, like the feelings the start to bubble up. The first time you hit a plateau, it's like what, like why, why is this happening to me? And then the first day that you like, yeah, go backwards. Yeah, you go backwards, yeah. and you you play like half as good as you know you can. Mm-hmm. Then stuff starts. I think that's the thing. You have to play competition at some point, like some sort, whether it's point play, leagues, whatever. And then you have to actually want to improve. If you have those two things, sure. But the there are a few people out there that just play like at the park for fun, and God bless they them. might not ever feel that yeah it's craziness yeah yeah i i admit yeah i'm i'm definitely speaking to a subset of Mm -hmm. the tennis playing population but i think that subset is our primary audience yeah that's you listening right now just so yeah you got problems if you (laughs) we we all got problems (laughs) okay all right so question number one why does tennis drive you crazy should i go first sure yeah all right i'll go first so i think it's it's a combination i've been i've been 
trying to talk this out for over a decade now <laughs> on the Essential Tennis Podcast. <laughs> it's good self-therapy. That's your, I was just going to say that's your therapy. No, it really is. Yeah, I get to sit down every week, make an outline, and be like, why does this happen? Let's try to deconstruct this. And I think there's a couple key elements that, when combined, create kind of a special chemistry of psychological dissonance. It's my sentence of the day. AKA. Crazy. combustion <laughs> aka crazy uh one of them is i'm gonna go through a few and these are in no particular order because it's kind of off the top of my head but one is a huge detachment there's a big gulf between reality and perception for tennis players of all levels but especially amateur players and it's true for me and I, i'm an amateur player and it's, it was absolutely true for me too before i started seeing myself on video I had a certain internal experience that led me to believe I was a certain type of athlete. <laughs> and why are you laughing? <laughs> because I can relate. <laughs> it's funny because it's true, Kevin. <laughs> and over the years of watching myself thousands of times on video, I not, my internal my internal experience is now much closer to reality. There's still, I'm sure, blind spots that I have. There's no doubt in my mind. But it's nowhere near where it used to be 10, 15 years ago before I saw myself on video over and over and over again, demonstrating, hitting balls, like working with students, just standing there. Like, what the hell am I doing with my shoulders? Like, just <laughs> try. I, I thought I had good posture. Apparently not. It, but in all seriousness, like little things like that all start to, you have just a little bit of self-awareness extra each experience like that. And hopefully those of you listening have had some of those experiences. If you hide from the truth, which most tennis players do, and they never see the, the truth on video, then we kind of keep leading a lie in our own heads. And it's exposed when we lose to somebody that we don't perceive to be as good as we are. And when we use our internal measuring stick, against the measuring stick of what just happened on the like real life. And there's like 2000 feet of empty space in between, like what we think was supposed <laughs> 2, to happen. You really thought <laughs> this. Said, yeah. You spent a lot of time <laughs> what on What was this. supposed to happen and what just happened. That drives people crazy because they, they can't, they can't, um, I can never think of this word. Uh, the accounting term, uh, I've brought this up multiple times like during lessons. Reconcile, that's reconcile. it. I'm getting better. They can't reconcile those two, like the gap between those two realities. God, and so when you add on top of that, I think another big element is, and then I'll pass on somebody else. Another big element, this could just be me talking for an hour. This is, this is just the... <laughs> another big element is, is a lack of understanding of the depth of the game. People don't understand how big of a gap there is from 2-5 to 3-0 and 3-0 to 3-5 and 5-0 to the players that you see on TV. People just don't, and, and I, I'm not blaming him. I'm not like wagging my finger. Like, I didn't get it either until like several years after college. And that's because I didn't have the direct and indirect experiences of hitting against somebody who was, you know, ATP 500 or 600 in the world. And having teammates that I sparred and competed against daily go and try, you know, features. It wasn't until after those things happened that I 
knew my place, <laughs> like in the tennis world. And so, if you have really poor understanding of like the big picture perspective of like the depth of the game, and you have really poor self understanding and like self awareness of like here's who I really am as a player and where I fit into that, you know, huge diagram. Then it's hard to go out there day after day after day and like work hard and sweat and like push yourself and see like tiny, tiny incremental improvements or even like big steps back can just drive you crazy. And then you add on top of that the gasoline of like being a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're really, yeah, yeah, I'm really, I'm really on the couch. I'm, I'm on the couch yeah. right now. And, uh, and stuff can just go really bad in a hurry. So. That's why tennis drives me crazy. <laughs> Anything else, Ian Westerman? Yeah, I know. Oh, yeah. I, I, can, oh, yeah. Yeah, I can keep going. Okay. But those three, that's like the, the holy trinity of tennis insanity, I think, for, for me. And I've, I've improved, I believe, all three of those things uh, over the years. My perspective and my perfectionism like, is always going to be there. That's definitely the, the one that's toughest for me. I'm getting better at it. And I think the perspective and the self-awareness helps also be like, come on, like, what are you really like? Let's have some like big picture view on what's, what just happened on this chunk of asphalt. <laughs> you feel better? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was good. It's good. It was good. good. Yeah. Good. Okay. You look a little lighter. Yeah. I feel good. Kevin. <laughs> oh, wow. Why does, why does tennis drive you crazy? Um, I would say kind of to tag on a couple things you said. First of all, expectation. I think, um, especially in the beginning, you don't know what you don't know. And it creates this level of expectation about which you're lying to yourself because you expect something, but you really don't know what to expect. So you expect, yeah, and you're just totally, um, Um, you just totally have this picture in mind of what it should be when you have no business even thinking about or being in that arena. Um, The second thing I would say is I think a lot of times people come to tennis or they come to, um, and it gets tied in with your self-worth and your self-image. And so if you're never athlete and you come to playing tennis and you're like, Oh, I'm going to do this athlete. And then you start competing. You're like, Hmm. And the first, especially if you've wanted business or life. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, if you've had any other successful, uh, if you've been successful in any other arena, you kind of bring that kind of pride into tennis. Um, and when you first compete and you lose, it's not about the like, Oh, I just lost. It's like, I must not be better. Yeah. Ego comes in. It's like, I'm a bad tennis player. Maybe I'm not as good as that other person. And all these weird things happen um, where your self-worth, your how you feel about who you are, it gets tangled up into your tennis game. And so it becomes this kind of nasty cycle of like, I lose and then you, you don't want that to happen again. Don't want to experience that pain. So you try harder, you try harder. (laughs) And then you don't know if you you might win some and that like I expose you on and then you meet someone else and you have the expectation and you lose and you're like, it's this Uh, roller coaster of like, I feel good. I feel bad. I'm, I'm not a good person. I'm, and, and I don't mean like not a good person and other people see you as not a good person, but it's like, I yeah, am my, my self-worth. Wait your turn. Wait your turn before you start digging the hole. Uh, but your self-worth uh. of like, um, because I think deep down the dark side of human nature is that we, we never want to feel like we are less 
than someone else. And if there's a kind of a direct kind of like way of someone kind of beating us in numbers, like yeah, and in numbers or anything. Yeah. And it's like, it's like other people's society sees you as like, Oh wow, you lost that person. And it gets even worse. Thirdly, when you lose to someone who you're not supposed to lose to. And that is just like the ultimate meltdown. And especially when it's happening, it's back it's to this, expectations. Yeah. Though. It's this mm-hmm. cycle of like, you're out there and you're like, Oh my God, everybody's so many pies. watching. Everybody's watching. I'm not supposed to lose this person. Yeah. They're horrible. I'm supposed to be better. And it's just like, and then Thanks, when you finally like <laughs> that final last point of like realization that you just lost, you have to at some point step up, step off the court and you have to at some point, like when someone, this is the worst. You step off the you're, court. You're explaining my feeling when you hit the, the lefty forehand winner on me yesterday. I saw that yesterday. <laughs> I There's saw that, that moment yesterday. where it's like, you come like face to face with the reality. Really yeah, upset and, and, yesterday. Yeah, and it's like, I have we to talked deal, about that a little bit. Right? I have car. to deal with this right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we both like, everyone went silent and yeah. Ian just walked like, off the court. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and there's that, that moment, that That's realization right where, yeah. where you have come off the court or the, the last point and someone goes, how'd you do? <laughs> I mean, and you're, you're, you feel so small and you want to give the quickest, like, mm-hmm. yeah, blah, 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 and you just want to like go, but you know, like you're going to run into more people. And if it's a community, it's like, go hide. The, yeah, you want to go hide, but there's no place to hide. You're totally exposed as the loser. And, um, get yeah. naked, Kevin. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to get naked. Not literally podcast listeners, uh, but yeah. That's office yeah. code for vulnerability. Yeah. So, I mean, I definitely think those are some elements I'm still on the to, couch. um, people are leaving. This to, right <laughs> yeah. They're like, okay, nah, this isn't the one, but there are, those are, I think for me, the major elements of kind of what can drive you crazy. The self expectation. I think the, one of the biggest things that I had to deal with later on in my kind of tennis career is the, the mixing of your, um, your self worth, your identity into a tennis game, especially as you, um, compete at different levels, but it can get mixed up in any different level, whether you're really successful at another thing and you bring that kind of like attitude, like I love this one, doctors, if you're a doctor, they're super successful doctors and they come to tennis and they're like, okay, yeah, like tell me what to do, I'll do it. Why am I not a 5-0 yet? Yeah, or some, <laughs> some profession where it's like very kind of like study hard, work hard, and you get the results and they realize later on that tennis doesn't work that way. Like you can do all this, the right like stuff. Effort in, results out. Oh yeah, yeah. That, I, I love, it's like a, a equal, like yeah. in and out. That equation will completely mess your mind up in a tennis game, yeah. in the, the sport of tennis. And I think that is, is just really tough to deal with. And again, the last one is just that moment of that, the reality of when you lose the match and having to face everybody and that feeling deep <laughs> down about who you are. It's like, this life changing moment of like, I have to confront everybody and expose the lack of winningness that I have. It's, it's like, you have to decide in that moment, am I going to accept this or am I creating some, narr- some story around oh, you like totally why? Create, everybody right. creates a story. Right, Cause right. it's like, ah, oh, you dude, my, my, uh, my shoulder, my shoulder, yeah. exactly. uh, my strings were off. Uh, um, you know, and then if you like, the accept it, it was windy. Yeah, it was windy. And even if you kind of accept it deep down, you're like, oh, this, it's just like, I feel like it's like, it's it like hurts. Rocky where he's playing Drago or fighting Drago and he's just taking blows and you just keep taking the blows and you, you hope it at some point it gets it better, but it really doesn't. It just, it just doesn't. 
Thanks. For Everybody's that. going to pick up golf now. I know. <laughs> no, I think uh, I think well, I mean you guys hit most of them. I think the biggest one for me is the idea of the results in, results out. I think that's always been my go-to because I have that that brain. Like I studied in school. A plus B equals C. Right, exactly. And that doesn't happen on the tennis court for me. And so, and for anyone, for that matter. And you can't control, for those of you who are control freaks like me, like you cannot, and and I would say a lot of tennis players like to control situations. Like most of us have a similar personality. You have those outliers for sure, but. um, She's talking about me. He's an outlier. Um, but like we like to control, we're that perfectionist. We like things to be right, you know, that kind of thing. And so when we get into the tennis world where we can't control who wins and loses, we can't control the other person on the other side of the court as much as we try. Um, there's just so many situations that you don't have control of. And so it's really hard to focus on the things that you can control and not on the things that you can't control. And that's, I think, one of the hardest battles. And that's what causes craziness, is not understanding the things that you can't control. There's so many people that really and truly believe, like, I can control if I win this match or not. And in many cases, you can't. Um, And so you can try to find ways, but you can't control that actual outcome yeah so i totally agree that's probably my number one craziness is that i can't go out there and say i'm going to win this by doing this this, this, and this and this and this exactly and this. i'm gonna check my boxes and one of them is going to work because i might check every box and none of them work i think it's the difference the difference between control and influence uh, they sound very close, but they're very different. And I think when you understand the difference of you can influence things, but it does not mean you're going to get the results you want. Right. It's, it's well, you can tough... understand that, but still pisses you off because it oh, does. Here it goes. Here it goes. <laughs> still <laughs> makes me angry that I can influence if I want, if I want to, if I want to work so hard to be able to understand the game go out there and try to use what I have studied at home, what I have put hours and hours into, and you're telling me I'm going to get out on the court and I can't control whether I win or lose. Like, that's a hard thing to swallow for a lot of people. For sure. Um, And so you have to love the competition and love all the stuff that we tell people to love, (laughs) even though, like... That part is so frustrating. Mm. And all the things you guys said, like expectations is huge for me. I a hundred percent believe I'm 10 times better than I am when I'm out on the court. I really believe that flat backhand down the line is going in 90% of the time. Right. (laughs) And it goes in 10% of the time. But, um, you know, I think that expectations and, and control are two of the biggest ones for me. Probably. I had an ongoing argument with my doubles partner in college where I literally, my stance in the debate back and forth was I should reasonably be able to figure out on any given day what's going wrong and figure out the solution to it. And I, I honestly believe that back in college. It might be yeah. I could see I you breaking a yeah. lot of rackets back Mark, in college. You were right. <laughs> I, didn't break, I didn't break a lot of rackets, but I mean, but I drove myself absolutely insane. Oh, yeah. insane. I think like, that's the yeah. problem. I could totally, I mean, that, if you're thinking yeah. that, I can't, I can't even imagine. Uh, it was terrible. Yeah. By the end of college, 
Uh, it was absolutely, it was absolutely terrible. But I think that's why a lot of people end up, um, like they come from other sports and we, how many people do we have that say, okay, I played volleyball, I played college this, I played college that, but tennis is so frustrating yeah. because there is so many factors um, and that's another good one. A lot people of people don't understand how many variables, right? There's a moving ball. There's some targets. There's like some variables that you have to go across. You have to get across the net in the, yeah. And you have old habits, you have new habits, you have things that you're trying to work on. You have, I mean, it's, there's a, there's so many things going on. Fist pumping. Yeah. That can be frustrating. And so I think, yeah, no matter what you've done, like how many, you know, overly intelligent, like, IQ genius level people play tennis and still Breaks really <laughs> struggle. Yeah, because I think people that are that smarter, it's, it's it, they struggle with it more because it becomes a logical yeah. sequence. Yeah. They are like, okay, they can see, yeah, the answer. see the right, line. They see right it's like, okay, them. well, I do this. This should and happen. There's, yeah. I think, the biggest part for me, like all those things, for the most part, I think are the easiest things. I mean, your target, the logic of like doing. It's the emotional. Um, part that's disconnected from a lot of players. The emotional part of tennis, where in a lot of other sports you have team sports, you have someone else to rely on, you can check in and check out. Where tennis, you can't check in and check out. You were out there by yourself. Um, you were dealing with the pressures of people watching you and how that um, how that pressure, like how you react and how you deal with that pressure is so much of how how good of a tennis player you can become. Um, so... I think that's the just like a two minute checkout is ah that's that, that's like that's the momentum yeah. like shift that that's the match that's the beauty of tennis and some you play for two hours sense. yeah and it's that yeah it's ninety seconds blink. that yeah if you blink at the wrong moment there's another add it to the list yeah it's <laughs> Don't you can play the blink. best match of your life and then there's that one yeah. that yeah. one sixty second ninety second but one. that's where those expectations come in you play those those certain matches where you literally can probably count them on one hand, like everything was going right. And then for some reason we think that that's how we should play. Like every time we step on the court, we're literally, that's the outlier. It's like a crack dealer. And the crappy ones that we do. Give you a taste of the good stuff. And you always keep coming back more. You hit that one good forehand. You're like, it could be like this. Right. I could do that every time. I can do that every time. I can feel that good. Yeah. 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 Say that again. <laughs> that was really good. Jeez. Okay. Next question. I'm just going to keep this uh, going. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. Next question. What has worked best to take the craziness away? So I'm going, I'm going first here. Cause I think Kevin, I think Kevin and I are kind of close, kind of close on this one. For me, I think it all started with, with perspective. And I mentioned earlier <clears throat> direct and indirect examples. I started teaching with a guy who was like number 500, 600 in the world and single. He, he and I would go out and hit when our lessons canceled. And that gave me a really good, like direct, <laughs> and he was like a couple years out. And that gave me a really solid, um, understanding of like, okay, like I, if you can't like Ian's eyes are very big right now. Like I might've been, I'm replaying <laughs> yeah. like, those, those four those serves like in my mind, like, uh, that, that was like a big key for me. And then I, I mentioned my teammate going out and playing challengers, low, low level entry level professional events and knowing how I compared to him and hearing how he did, which is not well at like he didn't, I don't don't think he he won a match going out and touring over a summer in uh, in Europe. So like 
started like those kind of things, like those pieces of information started to come in and it was like, Hmm, really? Like, and so there's a little bit of perspective there. And at the end of, I've only talked about this a few times ever, but at the end of college, I quit my, my college team. It was like February ish of my last semester of college. I just walked off the team because I was day after day after day is like, I was, it was moving in a worse and worse, a darker and darker direction. And, uh, I had to stop. Like it wasn't even worth it anymore. And the, the stark contrast between that and my entry point, which was like, this is the best ever, like making, walking onto my college team, reflecting on that. And then the, the direct comparisons, I started to realize that something was really, really out of place. And then I remember a platform tennis match that I played. I played um, a couple years in a, a Washington, D.C. platform tennis league. And I remember a moment where it occurred to me, I think it was like the first like real match that I played in this league. And it occurred to me, I can, I can be out here. This was after taking several years off of competition. And it occurred to me that I can be here on this court and just enjoy the act of hitting the ball, feeling it come off my paddle, like the breaking a sweat, like the camaraderie of playing with my partner and like trying to overcome the challenge of our opponents. Like it, it kind of came over me almost kind of for the first time, all the things that I really loved and appreciated about competing and it was, it was like a moment like in the movies where like all the like pieces kind of <laughs> come together. The stars sparkle around you. Yeah, exactly. A beautiful mind. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, since then, I feel like I've, I've personally worked very, very hard to understand my place and appreciate my place rather than looking at like what Megan was talking about, rather than looking at what I knew I could do and being ungrateful for not doing that every time more and more I chose to focus on being grateful for what I was doing that day. No matter what, it's easier said than done, but no matter what my output was that day or what the result was, I've for a decade now worked hard at being grateful for whatever that is. Because the reality is there's tons of people that will never experience what I've experienced um, and whatever it is that they pursue. And so... I think perspective has been key for me. And Kevin, I know you're big on the word gratitude. gratitude. I'll just throw that in at the end to bridge. It's yeah, bridge it's interesting because um, it was good. Um, mine's maybe slightly different, uh, but it's the same. Perspective, I think, was huge for me, um, and I think it's also the stage of like where you are in your game. I remember starting very late, and then wanting to like, oh, I didn't even know like about tennis. Started playing tennis, and it was like, oh, I can go to college. And in the back of my mind, it's like. Maybe I can work really hard and be a pro. That's exactly right. And then after I had a, what was it? It was like my second year um, in like my first uh, college team. I went out and uh, I played this tournament and got invited to go travel with these guys and play uh, pro like futures tournaments. And it was a really cool group. Uh, The guy who let it out, I think his name was Paul, played like number one at Kentucky and he recruited like um, two kids from like Clemson who were like top hundred juniors, another kid from California, and somehow I got to and uh, tag along. And 
slowly I got perspective on kind of my place at that time. Uh, His I remember, eyes are just as I, wide yeah, as I remember Ian's practicing because we went to uh, we went to this place in I think Indiana and we practiced for like a week and it was just like hardcore twice a day we practice um, and I remember like having trouble keeping the ball in play for like two weeks long. I remember calling home like I think I should probably come home and this was before we played was our pace first, or was it the heaviness? Or it was everything. everything. It was just like the level was a complete jump because all these guys were like like NCAA, except for like one guy, NCAA top ranked players. Like one guy who I travel with later, I travel with his brother, little brother, um, and he was like top 30 NCAA and got to like 200, 300 in the world. And um, I remember just struggling. And I played, like we were going through this tour and I played in Kansas City on the plaza and I got, I drew a seed for my first futures who this guy was like already 800, 700 in the world, tall Australian guy. Um, and I was like praying. And the next court, op- o- court open was Center Court Plaza. Place was packed. The plaza is w- an amazing yeah, place to play. I if you was ever get crapping a my pants. I did not want to go out there because I knew it was going to be like a blowout. And it was a blowout. And I got placed on the second to the biggest court. So it was kind of nice because I, I wasn't like stark, like big open court. So, um, after doing that for about, I think we went out for four to five weeks. I got a little bit better, and I went back to school, and I, I got better. Um, and then I continued to practice. Uh, I transferred to a different school. What was your mental state, like, immediately after that match? After the match, I was like, I just want to hide. Like, literally, I just want to bury it. Like, if I could get a shovel, dig a hole, and then put the dirt on top of myself and just stay in that hole, I'd still be there. But I would say, for me, <laughs> the, the perspective changed over time was to stop focusing so much on the externals and focus on the internals of what I could do. And when that changed, it helped me. So later on, I went to a different school, a uh, bigger division one school. I still played better. I got better. And then I decided to go travel in, in Europe. And, um, you know, I had a little bit more success, but as I started playing on a bigger stage, I started to see like, like, wow, I'm, I'm still just not there. And, the more I saw By that, there, you mean uh, like competitive at that? I at, can compete, but it, like w- when you look at the scheme of things, when you're playing futures and futures are like, you have futures, then challengers, and you have like what you see like on TV and then you have grand slams. I was struggling to compete at like qualifying rounds of futures. So like when you put that in perspective, you're like, yeah. hmm. So many layers. Yeah, there's so many layers. And so, you know, I had a great time. I love Spain, but it's like, and I did it again and I got better. But the thing I, I started to, I mean, you started putting together is like the time frame you need to like stay out there and the kind of strength you need mentally to mm-hmm. continue to push through that and keep going. Guys would take like, like five, six years on tour just getting crushed to kind of make that little bit of break. And I just realized I couldn't do that. I couldn't stay out there financially. And then, um, you know, that mental hurdle of that. And I think for me, it just became like, let's see what you can do. What's the best you can become? Because at that point I realized, okay, I'm not becoming a pro. It's just not going to happen. But I love the game and I love competing. And I think that was like the change for me in perspective, a set of like focusing so much on like the results of beating people. It's like, I just have to perform the best I can. And still, even with that, it was a hurdle, but it's like the perspective of focusing on the things you can control and being okay when if you do lose a match, it's like, how did I lose that match versus that? Oh, I just lost it and not getting anything out of it. So it became very much about how can I get things even out of my losses? Because you start to realize when you're playing futures, 
you show up, you practice for about three or four days, you get there about almost like five days early, you practice, you practice, you get one shot. One shot, one match, one kill. You miss, you go home, or you don't go home, you go to the next tournament, you sit around, you practice, and you do this for like where in, for, for six weeks where you're just on the road. And I sometimes travel by myself, I pick up a friend, and we travel. So it's like you develop strategies around like, dude, you, to stay in it, you have to focus on the right things. And so when my perspective changed from that, um, it really helped a lot. And it helped me have or learn the ability to love competing versus um, necessarily getting or hating so much about losing and destroying, like getting so caught up in losing. Don't get me wrong, I still hate losing, but there's a difference. And like you're saying, being, gra- being gracious or having gratitude about being able to just compete because uh, I think that's another thing that really helps change your perspective and give you those moments of like, okay, you know, looking back, even though I felt like I wanted to bury myself, not a lot of people had that opportunity to even play at that stage, not even the get in the door. And to have that opportunity and then go to Europe and play twice and meet people and, and just experience a lot of cool things. Be one, I had one doubles match where I could have got a point, and we lost that, like, I think it was like four and two or something. So I look back now with greater perspective, and I really appreciate those times. Mine is a little different because I didn't play college or pro since I got hurt. So um, I think mine came when I was a lot younger because I was the youngest in our little academy. We had like eight of us, and I was the youngest by at least two years. And so I was like the baby. And so I just got beat up on like 24-7 all the time. And so – And many of those players went on to be, a couple of the girls went on to be top 50 in doubles in the world. One was top 80 in the world. And so they were really high level players. And so I just lost like every day of my life. And so I think that gave me a little bit different perspective. Truthfully, I started to kind of try to find little wins each time I played, even if I wasn't winning when I was really young. And so I think that was probably why, like that's probably one of the biggest things now is coming up with small goals when I play or like if we're playing points or anything like small, like yesterday when we were playing with the opposite hand, my goal was to win a point and I won and I was like super pumped about it. Um, You know what I mean? (laughs) So I think it's, it's really finding those small goals that made me want to stick it out because I am a very big control freak. And so, um, and I would practice and practice and practice and practice and practice like 10 million hours a day. And then if I didn't get the result I wanted, that would be really frustrating. So I changed my perspective, I think a lot younger. And then when I got hurt and, um, had the different perspective of coaching, it's kind of the same aspect of like, you do this, 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 and your students should be able to play nationals and play at these tournaments. And, and it doesn't, you can't make someone do something. And it's the same thing as tennis, like as a tennis coach too, you have to uh, find the small goals. And that was, I think really important for me. Yeah. I think personality plays a big point for sure uh, about how you personally deal with things. Cause, yeah. um, Definitely. The same approach doesn't work for everybody. Yeah, it really yeah. doesn't. Like, I, I think perspective is one thing, but there's so many other like little avenues, even within, for me, finding perspective. Um, 
that were, were playing on my personality. Like I'm a big like I, I can just. Megan is going to smile on this one. Mm-hmm. I always, for some reason, and it gets me in trouble, believe that I can make something better or get better. or And so for me, it was like... Even when it's already perfect, just so we're clear. There's nothing ever perfect, <laughs> Megan. Okay, so <laughs> another topic. So for me, there is, there's, there's always this hunger. There's always this drive to push the limits, even if I'm, I'm okay with running into the wall a couple times. And I like that. And, and I think for me my personality lended more towards like trying to figure out a way, even if I wasn't going to get there, it was like trying to continue to improve. And so I think that was for me easier um, to find that to have the perspective kind of aid me a little bit um, because I just felt like, you know, you just have to figure it out. I mean, there's some way it may take more time. um, And I would just change perspective for like, for instance, in college or as I was playing a lot, I was like, if I can just stay out here longer than anybody else, I'm just going to make everybody like, they'll quit and I'll just be the last one standing. Whatever it was, I would just play mental games with myself. And I yeah, think it's see, just, that doesn't work yeah, for me it's just all. personality, the way my brain kind of ticks about how to uh, overcome or at least stick out adversity in some sense. I need check boxes. Hmm. I'm that type of person. Like I need goals. I think all three of us are different. Yeah. No. I go into the match with certain goals. And if those goals don't align, then I change my goals. But they're small goals that I am going to be able to like mentally check off in my mind. And so if I don't, because I need to have like my personality, I need to have some sort of goal that I accomplished in a match. And it can't be that I lost the freaking match. So it needs to be something that I feel good about the match. Because if I'm feeling horrible over and over and over again, I, I just know myself. I'll just quit. I can't do the checkbox thing. Cause if I look back at the boxes and none of them are checked, then I'm just, I, I there's might the tweak like, negative like cycle. But there are things that I can control. Like my goals or check boxes are always things within my control. Yeah. I don't like have like, you know, things I can't it's control. Da- it's dangerous for me. <laughs> and the, the whole like, you know, um, don't remember how you explain it exactly. Like just kind of tricking yourself into like yeah. finding that next level. I was always like the try hard that like I, I would run through. I was like the Rafa, like on a practice court. So, um, like the effort, I always gave a hundred percent, like, like no matter what it wasn't, that was never my problem. Um, I'm not saying it was a problem for you. Uh, for me it was like, and it was almost like the combination of those two things, like my level of intensity and effort combined with the perfectionist, like Uh, I need to figure this out and solve this problem. And when it didn't happen, I knew I, I knew I left it all out there and I couldn't have tried any harder. And when I couldn't reach whatever the goal was that I had, then that's when things got really bad, really See, yeah. dark for me. Mm-hmm. Like, so it has to, it, for me, it has to be like big picture, like Zen, like, or else it all goes out the window in a hurry. Yeah. Like when I hear that for like, there's a weird thing in my brain, it goes challenge accepted. And that's the way my, like when, when something's like someone like yeah, Megan will tell you this, she's like, Oh, you can't. And it's like, she knows never to tell me you can't do something or <laughs> this is the only, yeah. cause it's like my brain goes and I have to like, even I have to figure it out. I have to at least try. Like I can't accept that it's, it's just that way. And maybe I'll, I'll figure it out for myself and I'll run up against that wall. But I'm like in my mind until I have done something too. Like when you say like, I, I love the intensity, but for me it's intensity. And then like, there's just, there's just another way. 
So there is, I do have some perfectionist kind of deals, but it's more so in a sense of like, have you tried every single possibility? Because I guarantee you haven't. So get your butt back out there. I feel like the listeners at this point are just sitting there like, you guys need help. Yeah, yeah we do. For okay. sure. We all need help. All right. Third, third, all right one. third question. What do you say to your crazy students? I, I say that in a very loving, uh, empathetic, you know, way. This is going to be interesting, I think, because it, I think it's, I'm foreseeing that it's going to be very much relatable to how we own, how each of us deals with our craziness. Yeah. For me, the, I think the approach I've been trying most and yeah, you're, you're hundred percent right. It definitely relates to myself and my own inadequacies. (laughs) And that's kind of probably where it stems from, but I'm constantly trying to get my students and there's certain students that, are in total alignment with this. And those are the ones that I just, you know, love spending time on the court with. But when somebody, I, I believe that when a tennis player can feel fulfilled and satisfied just by the process alone, like just by the journey of taking that next step, even if it was a painful step or a difficult one or one that on the outside looks like a loss, you know, and to everybody it might literally, you know, be a loss when somebody can start to have that be their source of fulfillment, I think that's like the ultimate place to be as a tennis player mm-hmm. personally. And that's kind of what I try to steer players towards. I understand it's not going to work for everybody. That's um, why there's three of us. Exactly. One like, of us has the answer. Yeah. I feel like having a chime <laughs> going, ching. Little finger, uh, yeah. Oh, monk, Westerman, speak to us. Yeah, and there's... I don't know that I've really sat and thought about it before, but it's definitely self. I'm like self like cathartic. Yeah, for sure. There's no question. But I think perfectionism is so pervasive among tennis players. Oh, yeah. I think it's, I think it's a good general direction to try to get people to, to move towards. But I also accept and understand that not everybody's going to be satisfied by that answer but you have to like embrace the craziness a little bit because every we used to always say like every tennis player has some crazy in you because if not i feel like you can't reach that high level of play well, like you human. have to right i feel like no matter what your flavor is like tennis is gonna find it and it's gonna poke right. it it exploits <laughs> it though and sure. so yeah. if that craziness is overtaking you then you just don't quite, you never quite reach that. It's like Venom in Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel like she's like, it's <laughs> I can't yeah. fight it. <laughs> yeah. Because I do the, I do the same. I, like I give my, sorry, I'm skipping you. No, I do uh, little goals. Yeah. I'm a huge believer. Yeah, the same thing I just said about myself is what I used to teach my students. Like I would give them, okay, you can't control the outcome. Here's the things like we literally would go through like, here's the things you can control and here's the things you cannot control. I think that's key, by the way, is being able to understand the difference between yeah. the two because most we, players. Yeah, we talked about it all the time. Yeah. Like that was a huge thing, you know, and then that's why like it would irritate the crap out of me when some kid would walk off the court and be like, it was really windy and I couldn't make the ball. Why'd and I'm you like, lose? what would you say, Megan? What would you say? I'd say it's windy on the other side of the court, too. You got to figure it out. You know, that wasn't one of the goals. So (laughs) like I would always relate it back to like every, we would have two goals, you know, like 
what is your goal for blah, 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 or whatever. And it would be super, super specific. Like we've been working on getting your backhand deeper in the court, cross court on a cross court rally. Like that would be your goal. And so if they did better at accomplishing that during, you know, a backhand and backhand exchange rally. So just to play devil's advocate. So, mm-hmm. so what if that on that particular day, that particular match, that particular opponent was just two levels above your student and they just, right could not even like get even in the rally to possibly be able to achieve that goal. Then what, like, how do you pivot? How do you pivot at that point when backhand depth is just not happening that day? I, well then, I mean, we talk about that being like a person, yeah, like a personal goal of trying to achieve, but then I'm really big on like in match play, what's working and what's not. Mm -hmm. And every single, like we used to say like every three or four points you evaluate, like what is working and what is not. And, if you're not doing something that's working, like if you're losing, you know, every single point, then you're not changing what you're doing. So there's a goal need, shift at that point? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The goal shifts. I mean, um, and most times there was very, very few times I will say that you could not at least say, you know what? I felt like my backhand felt better or I was getting better depth on it when I had the opportunity, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and so there wasn't a lot of times where I, I tried to make it to where the goal was very accomplishable. Does that make sense? Tie your shoes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Write your name correctly on the Check test. The yeah. Yeah, exactly. the shoes are tied. Yeah. I win yeah. no matter what happens. <laughs> I'm the winner here. Because yeah. I just feel <laughs> like it's really important to, at a young age, when you're dealing with, you know, and this is not necessarily adult. Like, adults can, I think, handle a little bit more like, okay, you might have a goal, but you need to focus on something. But I think as kids, it's really hard to ask an eight-year-old to go out there, play a tennis match, deal with all these adult things, people cheating, the wind, there's all these other things. Parents. Like, think, yeah, parents, even things you can't control and being like, okay, find your zen, eight-year-old child on the court, like love tennis, even though you're going to get your butt kicked and mm. you know what I mean? And so I would yeah. always try to find like one little thing that I felt like they could really accomplish. And then the other goal was a little bit of a stretch. And so that way they could at least say like, you know what? You could high five them about something. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like they came off the court and I could be like, you know what? This was pretty good. This was really bad. But this was, you know, this yeah. was something that you, you did better. Plus it also, as a coach, helped me hold myself accountable. I felt like. Because there's so many times like a coach's worth, self-worth is in line with whether the student wins or loses, especially in high Mm. junior like development. And especially as a woman in the, the junior world, just because there's not a lot of us out there that, um, I mean, everything was criticized and everything is watched and every kid that you taught that lost at that high level, they didn't win that ball. They got bronze instead of gold or they got, you know, like there was just so much pressure on coaches as well. I mean, I can tell you how many times I would sit there and be like not breathing, like hoping and praying that whatever was happening was going to keep happening. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you just, you know, you're playing, it's harder than playing half the time. Um, but you remember know. your like tiebreak record. I always remember that. Oh, it's for like sure. phone call tiebreak record. Yeah. I was, was on point. Yeah, I was yeah. too. It's like, yeah. we used to compete. <laughs> I know that's hard to say, <laughs> but yeah, so that's my 
two cents. But I do think it's funny how it goes in line with, and I think your students find coaches that you yeah. align things with. Yeah. Like Kevin's kids very were very from different kid. from my kids that I taught. And same with adults too. Yeah. Like the adults that I, that took from me on a regular basis, very, very different from the adults that took from Kevin. And they're attracted to the way you yeah. teach your personality. They're attracted to your craziness, your type of craziness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like getting married. <laughs> Yeah. She's attracted to my <laughs> kind of craziness. I don't know how that happened. KG? Yeah, I don't know. It's a tough one. I think I've changed throughout the years because I, I think part of that's my personality. Um, I am subject to the shiny object and I'm always trying to learn something new. So I think my first sense of is probably, yeah, you would not believe this, but I'm slightly rah-rah. So meaning that um, extreme positivity under stress extreme kind of like for me it's like i gotta get myself going kids to like fake it no not fake it just like change their emotional state Uh, i think he would like get them all like he had this class i do i would do these speeches like i could have like okay like i had uh uh for instance um (laughs) we would talk about goals but there was like there, I had this like sense of like, uh, what's the song? Like a Rocky song in the back of he my head as I'm giving, Rocky. Yeah, giving speeches. And I remember like we had a, a semifinal and a national and two kids came off the court. And I was like, okay, guys, you got to listen here. And we, I gave them the specifics. Like you got to go out there and fight. No, I don't care what happens, no matter what. And, and it's like, I just build this moment and you can see them like, like, like shaking. And it's like, and I'm like, okay, you ready? You got this? Look at me now. Look at me. You've got this right now. Now go out there and take it. Yeah. yeah, and literally... Everyone just, their ears just hurt right there. I'm yeah, sorry yeah, about sorry. That. But literally, kids would go out and just emotionally... Yeah, the Braveheart speech down. Yeah, I totally would, totally would. And I found that to some extent, if you find the right people, by having such an attitude and sense of emotional state that like, is belief. And it was a lot of about like me making people believe that they could do things that sometimes they just didn't in that moment believe. And I would give them like one specific thing. I was like, okay, this is what you need to do. But I mean, beyond that, you have to believe right here, right now. This is your moment. And I won a lot of matches off of that for myself. And I want to help people, adults, whatever, win a lot of matches because I think a lot of it is, I would say, 90% of people struggle believing in themselves when it comes to accomplishing something. But I think it it depends, it depends on the person. The but student. I think I, I think some students get so riled up. Yeah, that no, they I can't think that's play tennis well. Either. Here's the thing, and, and that's I, get turn, thing. I get turned off. Either, and, like my person, I do too. My time out, time out, yeah. time out, people. It's also about the person because I did have some yeah. students where I would totally go to and I'd be like super calm, but I'd insert the same love, the same message, but with a different tone. Different where intensity. I would like like you know I had a little girl who was like, okay, look, this is what you need to do. I know you can do this. And it would be totally calm, but it's the same message, but delivered in a different way. Yeah. And I would know, like, like we were talking earlier about a kid that um, he would always want to break his racket. And I knew in his mind he hated, he was a control freak. And so, like, if he wanted to break his racket, Chase I would be like. Tomlins, this is you. Yeah. You knew it was you, but I mean, <laughs> Megan just had to say it. Someone's going to find you now. Yeah, now somebody else yeah. is going like, uh. But he would, he would always want to break it. And I was like, snap that racket. I would tell him, like, snap it right now. Snap it in front of me. Break it on the court. right. And he would look at me like, oh, he just couldn't do it. And so a lot of what I felt like I was doing, I was always trying to find those uh, psychological triggers of people and either turn them on or turn them off. Like with yeah, how I would say stuff and either motivate or 
take down the emotion because a lot of what I felt like um, helped me a lot was understanding either I needed to get myself to get to that next level of energy or calm myself down. And then when I got there, I could start to find answers and, and look for things to happen. And I mean, both of you guys know me. I mean, I get pretty excited about little things like last VIP when like she made two out of three serves. Yeah, he jumped right I on was the like so pumped, but I mean, that's just my personality. So I, I do probably attend to attract people like that. But I think it's for me as a coach is like, or you out there, it's like finding for me, what's that emotional trigger? Like, like some people, when it gets to be really tough, they need to be calm. Some people need to be really excited. Some people need to feel like, um, um, they can't lose this or they can't, or they need to win this or whatever it is. It's like finding that and getting your, your mental state there first. And then once you're there, I think a lot of answers pop up. And if you have a coach, they can help you pinpoint those, those one or two things you need to do. Because I think a lot of times when you're not in the emotional place to, to find answers or to even be open to them, it doesn't matter. Like if I go to a kid and he or an adult and they're like so down on themselves, I'm like, dude, all you have to do is hit it to their backhand. They just literally cannot hear it because they're so negative or so trapped in their hole. So it's like first for me, always focus on the emotional part first and then give them the instructions later to make sure that like they have the, the attitude to carry themselves through. So that's, I mean, that's what I would do. I would always have like literally Rocky theme song or some like lose yourself Eminem on my phone. It's like literally I come over to a kid if I knew it. It's like slide the phone over. It's like dun, 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 and I would want to kill him like, every time. Like yeah. that that stuff just annoys me. Yeah, or I, mean, it, yeah, or I had one either. kid, one last story, who um, <laughs> he was playing a tie break. He just wasn't playing that well. And he wasn't really trying that hard. And I told him, and I said, uh, what was it? I told him to eat like some snacks. And I, I kept giving him snacks. And I said, okay, look at me. If you don't go out there and win this match and play your butt off, I'm going to make you throw up what you just ate right now. <laughs> that was brew. He'll tell you a story. I was like, if you come off that court and you Aaron? do not. Yeah. He was, Cause he was kind of like tanking a little bit. And I was like, if you don't come off that court playing your butt off, I'm going to make you throw up. You see the sidewalk? I'm going to make you throw your snack up. And he, he was like, he knew I was going to do it. And he played the best match, like the best tiebreak ever. And yeah. yeah and you're dealing those, but, those but here's the key. I know, I know the right. personality and I knew what to press the button. And I knew it there at that time. I didn't need to talk about tactics. I need to threaten his life. And if I threaten his life, he, he, and he completely walked off court and he looked at me like, dude, that worked. What you said worked. I was like, yeah, don't you ever do that. And I'm literally, I mean, so for me, it was always finding those buttons and pressing them. Hee <laughs> hee. Well, on that note, <laughs> I think there's a whole other topic here, and that is, that is the difference between working with kids and working with adults. Like, you can't really go to an adult and be like, I'm going to make you throw up on the sidewalk <laughs> after the match. No, yeah, I totally agree. But it's, I think even with adults, you, you have to know your student. You have is to the, know is your student, yeah. and you have to know how to press the buttons. And yeah. I guess the examples. Yeah, well, I'm not saying there's yeah, not. Yeah, the examples. Jedi mind yeah, going there's, on. yeah, it's always, even with adults, it's like the example is like, how do you need to say, who, what, how do they need to hear this message? Yeah. But I think it's you, important for the student to figure that out too. Like as oh a yeah. student, when I have adults and I say, how do you best learn? That's how I always started no. everything. Like, how do you best learn visually? You know, like, do I need to write it down? You know, like learning how someone learns so that you can help them the best way. And as a player, knowing that. Yeah, totally. That's exactly what I was doing. Thanks for summing mm -hmm. that up. 
All right. With that, I think we're going to wrap up. Any final, any final thoughts, Kevin and Megan? I think just you got to know thyself. Mm. It all stems from <laughs> knowing thyself. And as you have the craziness, it's figuring more out about yourself in those moments of how do you deal with the crazy? Because I think, crazy. yeah, the more you embrace it and the more you figure out how you're going to operate your patterns of being crazy, the more you can hack it and figure out how you can better respond or avoid those situations altogether. And I think when you can truly learn from your craziness or your moments of craze, that you can really embrace it and become a better tennis player. Thanks for listening, everybody. And thank you so much to everybody who's been leaving ratings and reviews. We're already one of the top rated tennis podcasts on iTunes. We're, as of right now, we're, we're number four, which is awesome, out of dozens and dozens on the iTunes Music Store. So thanks, everybody. And we still have that, that offer through September 31st. If you leave us a rating and a review on the iTunes Music Store, or if you have an iPhone on the podcast app, and send us a screenshot of it. We'll be happy to hook you up with the course of your choice from Essential Tennis, any of our digital training resources. You can check out a list of those at essentialtennis.com slash courses. And just send a screenshot with your selection and your rating and your review to support at essentialtennis.com. And Megan will hook you up. Yes, indeed. Megan's got the hookup. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, everybody, so much for your support. Thanks for listening. It's been a lot of fun. I really like these conversations a lot. I hope, I hope, uh, I don't know. I hope you listen. Yeah. (laughs) I I look forward to doing more of them because I think it's, I think it's, I enjoy doing it. I I think it's good for, I think it's good for us, like collectively. And hopefully those of you listening feel, feel the same way. And if you have some ideas, yeah, send them our way. We're looking for ideas. Yeah. For, for topics. So, you can also send those to support at essentialtennis.com. Any topic that you think is is controversial or good one, one that's kind of um, polarizing, that's a good one to discuss or debate, definitely send that in. With that, we'll sign off. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you guys next Take time. Take care.